All right. Turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of James. The book of James, chapter number two. And last week I realized when I stopped the recording, I had never turned up the microphone. So there was no recording last week. So I'm going to do a quick recap on what we looked at last week because Lord willing, we're going to finish up this study tonight um, in the Salvation Bible Basics. And we've been looking through this. Well, my goal was to get this done through in eight weeks. Well, it'll be a total of nine weeks with a couple of weeks in between. So it's been about two and a half months at this point since we started this. Um, and I, well, I was going to say I did a pretty big recap last week, but it's not recorded. But um, we're just, we're to the last lesson uh, tonight. And what we looked at in lesson three was the gospel and how that is the good news, and that's how, that's the way God's provided for us to get on that one side of not having a relationship with him to having a relationship with him. And then, gospel is the good news. This is what Christ has done. This is what God has done for us. And now, lesson four, it's bringing this to a conclusion. It's showing, okay, yes, the way of salvation is the gospel, but how to get from that point to being saved. And we're, look, we're looking at two ingredients of salvation according to what the Bible says. And last week we started looking at Mark 1, 14 through 15, which says, now after that John was put in prison, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance and believing, or repentance and faith. And we'll see tonight in the verses we're going to look at that faith is believing what God says. Jesus is the only one who preached repentance and believing the gospel, as stated here in Mark 1. It was also the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 20 through 21, which says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith. And those aren't the only two passages that talk about repentance and faith. Um, some ver some uh, passages I was thinking about, okay, it might not explicitly say repentance and faith, but it is implied in what that scripture is talking about. So last week we looked at the first part, we looked at the first ingredient, repentance, and we looked at f five or six, I forget uh, the count, of different verses, different sections of scripture that explain what repentance is according to what the Bible says. We're going to quickly go through that right now. Again, Job chapter 42, verse 6 says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And he said this at the end of that great trial that the Lord allowed him to go through in his life. And he comes to a, a point of repentance and turning from some sin that the Lord had showed him. Now, Job was a saved man 
at the, and that's found in the beginning of the book, but he finds that he needs to repent again at the end, not, not for salvation, but repent of sin. Um, and as Christians, we need to be repenting of our sins constantly, or maybe not constantly, but when the Lord brings them to our mind, we need to turn from them. And we see this example here in Job 42, where he says, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So here it's talking about repentance, including abhorring yourself and seeing what, how God sees you. And then we looked at 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, which says, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Um, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Repentance includes a deep sorrow for, for, for sin, we looked at First uh, Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, and um, it's an example of people who turned from idols to God. So repentance includes a turning from sin to God. And then we looked at Matthew 3, 8, where John the Baptist was teaching, and the religious leaders came to him and wanted to be baptized, well, he says, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. John was telling them, okay, before I'm going to baptize you, I need to see evidence of a changed life. So repentance means having a changed, there's a difference in those who truly repent. And the next um, element of repentance that we saw was in Luke 19, 1 through 10, the story of John, or not John, of Zacchaeus. And um, Jesus states at the end of that passage that truly salvation has come to this house, talking about Zacchaeus. And that was seen because uh, in verse 8, Zacchaeus says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Zacchaeus repented, and evidence of repentance was he wanted to make things right. And the last point we looked at last week was how repentance includes coming to the acknowledging of the truth. The acknowledging of the truth. The end of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 25 and 26 says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. The key there is, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Repentance includes coming to that acknowledgement of the truth. So those are six different ways that the Bible explains repentance. Um, and repentance is a very important element of salvation. It's repentance and faith. And in that process, um, in the Bible, repentance and faith, as I mentioned last week, is it's almost like um, two sides of the same coin. 
for true salvation to happen. There has to be a turning away from yourself, from what you have been relying on to get to be right, to get to heaven, whatever it is. There has to be a turning. So repenting is a turning, and it's a turning from you to God, pretty much. When you boil it down, turning from you to God. Turning is the repentance, and faith is believing what God says. Now, it's not a blind faith or a blind belief. It's a belief in something that God has said, and it's a belief in the gospel like we have been looking at previously in the third um, lesson in this series. But tonight we're going to look at some specific passages that talk about faith. And that's where we're going to start in James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, this passage has been wrongly used um, throughout the ages of teaching a... People are saying it teaches a works salvation. Because um, it talks about, and we're going to read a couple of verses that if you weren't looking at the complete context and exactly what the argument of the writer is and the perspective that the writer is writing from, yes, you can get some really bad theology, but that's why you have to look at it as a whole. I even remember in high school, um, in debate class, that was not a fun year. I was like in eighth grade or something like that. We were debating... Salvation by faith or salvation by works? And of course, this is one passage people would come to, and we'd try to use this as a debate, which, of course, I wasn't actually saved at the time. I thought I was. But um, this, this passage does not teach works salvation or works for faith. It is teaching that... And as we'll get into some of these verses specifically, there is, it's part of that evidence of repentance, that evidence of faith. After you have repented and turned in faith to Christ, there is going to be works that is going to follow. That is how God has designed it. When you truly repented and truly turned to God in faith, you're going to want to work for him. And that is the evidence course, as we saw the beginning, way back the beginning of this, um, uh, of these lessons, God looks on the heart. God can see if you're truly saved or not, but really, I can't see anyone's heart. My own heart is deceitful. I, sometimes I can trick my own self out. But how do other men see if there's evidence? It's by your works after your faith. Um, God sees the heart. Man sees works. And that's the, the full context of this book. We're not going to get into all of that tonight. Otherwise, we'll be here very long. But in this passage, uh, James chapter 2, verses uh, 14 through 24, uh, there are three types of faith we're going to look at. Three different three types of faith. There's a dead faith, there's a devilish faith, and then there's the true type of faith, the dynamic faith. Um, 
we're going to start here in verse 14. This is the dead faith. What doth, it, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto you, uh, one of, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and show me, and I will show thee my faith by my works. The argument here that James is writing, um, I believe he's actually writing this to uh, the scattered Jews, uh, his brethren, who were scattered abroad. He's telling them, okay, you can't just verbalize that, say, I have faith. I believe in God. You can't just say it and then not show a work behind it. It's like, um, well, we've had tornadoes around here. And sorry to bring this up. We might have more tornadoes tonight, according to the weather. We might see because um, of the heat. But think about those people who got hit with the tornado in Goshen two weeks ago. What if you lived in Goshen, your house was perfectly fine, but your neighbor next door, they lost everything. What if they come to you, knock on your door, and be like, um, hey, our house was just destroyed. We need a place to stay. We need some food. We need some clothes, etc." And you'd be like, well, I'll pray for you, and I hope everything is good and you close the door on them. And if you're, I've already told them before, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. What kind of testimony would that be? You close your door on your neighbor who just lost everything. That, that's dead faith. That's not putting action behind what you are saying. I believe God, and of course, a lot of people know what Christians are actually supposed to do and uh, help their neighbor in the time of need is one of those things. So that's what the writer here is talking about. If you say you have faith, well, back it up by what you, uh, with something that you're going to do. Uh, alive faith, not dead faith. But then you go down to the next verse, um, verse 19, uh, this verse has probably been used a lot. Um, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So, the devils, Satan's demons, those who fell, who chose to go with Satan at the beginning of time, or before the beginning of the world, um, they believe that God exists. They believe they believe in Jesus, but, of course, they're not able to repent. But the devils believe. There's a lot of people out there that say, I believe, but they've never come to that, rep that point of repentance. And according to this uh, passage, um, those who believe that there is a God, but don't have that true saving faith, they haven't come to that point of repentance, 
they're just like the devils who believe in trouble. But if um, there, there'll be some of those people, um, forget the exact passage, Lord, Lord, I've done many wonderful things in thy name. And he'll say, depart from me. It's those people who have believed, say they believed, but it's this devilish, devilish type of faith. It wasn't true belief unto salvation. They didn't have repentance. And I was thinking about this in my own life. I was, I was right there. I grew up in church. I believed that Jesus died for my sins. And all that, um, a reference before uh, talking about in debate class, I thought I was saved at that time. I was 12, 13, I forget how old I was. I believed, but I never come to that point of repentance. I had that devilish type of faith. But then, um, what we're going to look at here last in this passage is the dynamic faith, or the true type of faith. And we have this, the example of Abraham here. And um, again, this passage is written to scattered Jews. So their father, Abraham, way back hundreds of years ago, we have this example of him. James 2, 21 through 24 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and, is, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. And the argument here is, okay, there was a point where Abraham had that point of believing God, and it was evidenced in his life. Um, two examples, uh, that was in... Uh, um, Genesis 15 was talking about this. Um, Genesis 15, 6. It says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then we see in um, Abraham's life, there was a continuance. There was, he believed God, he continued in that belief, and then there was evidence, there was, um, there was works behind it. Of course, uh, 41 years later, uh, Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah to so uh, offer him as a sacrifice. That was a work of showing Abraham's faith. He was about to kill his son in belief and in um, obedience to what God had told him to do. Of course, we know what happened then. God provided a ram, but Abraham didn't know that. He believed by faith in God, and that work was an evidence of his true belief and his faith in God. Um, I'm not going to read all through this, but here's, a, here's an example that um, I've heard before, and I will put my own little twist on it. So, faith. I'm going to say I have faith in this chair. Is that full faith? Nope. Now, 
is that even full faith? Not really, because my legs are still not fully on there. My whole weight is not on there. Um, and again, if you ever do this Bible study, you could do the chair trick, whatever. Just have a... Uh, exactly. Now, now do I have full faith in this chair? And yes, I tested it beforehand to make sure it doesn't give out. But that's, I mean, that's really, that's a simplistic example. But until I stood on that chair, I didn't put my full faith, my belief in that chair. And until you come to that point of turning from yourself, from your own way, and fully putting your whole trust in, in God, your full faith, it's not real faith, according to the scriptures. And I remember that in my own life, um, that point where I just had to let go. I was holding on to my false profession. I was holding on to my pride, and but I had to let go. I, uh, I've heard the, this analogy of, um, that, that, that would be a very interesting analogy, uh, jumping out of an airplane. You're putting your full faith in the parachute on your back and the person who packed your parachute. Well, God is the one that has pa uh, packed your parachute. He's the one that's put it on you. Well, you still have to jump out of the airplane and pull the cord. Um, so that would be an interesting thing. Get a GoPro, record it. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Um, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it, it's, 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 just, it's letting go. Uh, and that's really what faith, you have to come to that point in believing. Um, there are some verses, other verses uh, that won't go through for time's sake here tonight, but um, salvation by works is not, it's not true. I mean, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Or, um, for, uh, well, yes. And not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And as I have mentioned before going through this study, it really depends on who you're doing it with and their background. Um, the author of this study Doug Hammett came from a Catholic background, which is a lot of works-based things. So you got to really know the uh, know enough about the person you're doing the Bible study with to know which way to point them. But um, the Bible clearly teaches it's salvation through grace, through faith in God's sacrifice and Jesus' sacrifice, not our works. Um, but one point we're going to look at here, where does faith actually come from? Uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not, a, or belief, you might see shirts out there. You might, I mean, there's, um, 
the Josh Groban song, Believe, right? The, the Christmas thing. Of course, it's talking about believing in Santa Claus. Well, people might be like, oh, have faith or believe. It was like, what does that really mean? What are you believing in? What are you having faith in? Well, we have to have faith in God. And well, where do we... Oh, I had this argument with Josh at Flavor Producers today. Like, he's... He's not convinced that like the Word of God is God's book or preserved because he believe he does all these different um, different versions and things like that. He's like, well, my faith isn't in the Bible. It, my faith is in Jesus. But I'm like, yeah, but how do you know to put your faith in Jesus without knowing what the Bible says and believing that the Bible is the truly inspired? Word of God that's not going to fail. Um, I can never win an argument with him because he always has rebuttals. But um, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We have to have God's Word in our mind. I mean, um, most of us are privileged to grow up in Christian homes, and we've heard the Bible throughout our life. And I'm thankful for that. I've had the Word of God in saturating my mind since I was very small. Not everyone out there has had that privilege, but that's why we're going through a Bible study. We need to have them hear the Word of God, so then at that point they can have that saving faith, that belief in God according to what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. Now, um, John 3.16. Um, what is faith? Well, faith is believing God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How does a person get this everlasting life? And of course, uh, Jesus is talking to religious Nicodemus in this passage, the man who knew the Old Testament inside and out. It was his job. It was his lot in life to study the Word of God. And Jesus is like, no, you got to believe in him. got to believe in the only begotten Son, you know, the fulfillment of the law, of the stuff you know. But, um, to get it, to have an everlasting life, you have to believe. It's by faith. Believing in Jesus. Believing in God's only begotten Son. And, um, I mean, this verse, yeah, one of the most famous verses in the whole world, um, probably becoming less famous uh, with the way our society is today. But, it's it's laid out right there. And uh, I was thinking about this verse, and like, it doesn't specifically say repentance and faith. Well, it is because it's believing in him. It's only believing in him, not believing in your good works, not believing in your church, not believing in your baptism, in your whatever 
believing in the law, it's believing in him. Um, we're going to skip this next section talking about uh, faith bringing justification. That's in Romans 3, 21 through 28. Um, but we're just going to bring this down to a concluding verse, um, John 3, 36. Um, further on in Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus, uh, John three thirty six, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In, these, in this verse, there's two parts. There is God's part, and then there's our part. Um, God's part is the he, he's promising to give everlasting life to those who believe. Um, and life, everlasting life, it's not just, uh, it's actually a very interesting study if you look through what the Bible says about eternal life. It's not just something you get when you die. It is something we have at that moment of salvation. And um, it's life with him. And, and the true life is having a relationship with God. It's it's really interesting study. And I'm like, wow, that's what the Bible says. Uh, we have everlasting life right now, not just when we pass from this life. According to this verse, okay, um, God's part is giving the everlasting life. Well, our part, it's believing on the Son. We have to believe on the Son. And, okay, where, how do you believe on the Son? Well, this is where the Romans road comes through again uh, in this study, Romans 9, 10, and 13. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know we've looked through these verses before many times, and we know what, what they're saying. Um, but, I mean, it comes down to turning from your own way and crying out to God, confessing with your mouth, calling upon the Lord for salvation. I mean, um, it's, frankly, it's pretty simple if you think about it, but uh, sometimes you can make it really complicated. Um, I know I, I did in my own life. Uh, it, but coming, it's coming down to turning from yourself and turning to God, accepting his free gift of salvation. And that's really what the goal of this study is. It's to bring people from that point of, okay, this is the way God sees you. This is what you are when you don't have a relationship with God. This is God's this is what God has done. He gave Jesus as our sacrifice. And it's the gospel. 
but okay, how do you receive the gospel? Well, um, you have to, or how do you get saved? It's through repentance and faith. And the last thing here, um, just to draw this down to a conclusion with the person that you're doing the study with, it's the timeline. So, birth and death. So you give a little bit of your own testimony here at the end. So I was born July 2nd, 1990. And somewhere off in the future, could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now, um, it's my death or the catching away, the rapture of the saints. Um, you can add significant dates in here. Um, got married. All right. And that was April 8th, 17. Just, just that, 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 that's farther out. <laughs> um, so then Anna was born. So here, here's your proportion, honey. Anna was born here. Um, and then Carly's going to be born, Lord willing, somewhere out here. And then, um, and you can have fun with this. So like, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, 2009, uh, uh, November 4th, 2009. Anyone know the great significance of that date? No, that's the last time the Yankees won the World Series. Um, and then, I, I had to look this up, but the Yankees and the Reds actually had their last World Series win in my lifetime, but the Reds, it was back here in November or October of 1990. So I just barely, barely squeaked it in. We won't talk about 1976 because that's not in my lifetime. But, um, and then you could fill this out however you like and use a little humor or whatever, depending on the, the person you're dealing with. But right here is the date that I accepted the Lord as my Savior. It was actually um, about a week ago, 15 years ago, um, 2007. Um, I actually was sharing this at the men's uh, prayer breakfast on Saturday. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the 14th because it was the middle of the night and I had watched a really long movie the night before, so I'm pretty sure it was after midnight. But July 14th, sometime in the middle of the night, the Lord dealt with my heart and like showed me, okay, you're not saved. And, and it was honestly something I had struggled with for, for a long time. And I just didn't want to admit that I was lost. And that's where I needed, the Lord needed to bring me to that point. That I just needed to cry out to him and turn in repentance and faith toward him but the goal of this timeline is okay now 
person you're doing this Bible study with, you have them do their own timeline, but then ask them, okay, when was your July 14th, 2007? Have you had that time? Have you had a point that you've turned in repentance, turned from your own way, and turning in faith or belief in God's finished sacrifice on the cross? And that's really where you that's the point of this Bible study, to bring someone to that point and being like, okay, this is what the Bible says. Now it's in your lap. So that's that Salvation Bible Basics study in a Andy format. Um, again, if this is something you're going to do, you'll want to go through it, figure out your own... Um, analogies, figure out your own way of going through these verses. Skip some verses that might not be applicable. I mean, of course, the whole Bible is applicable, but not applicable in that particular situation. Um, and the format of this, yes, it took us 10 weeks or whatever to fully get through this. It is designed for to get through in an hour every every week. For four weeks, um, or you could sometimes people have lots of questions and things like that. But um, it is designed just go verse to verse. This is what the Bible says, and bring them to the point of okay, have you repented? Have you turned in faith to Christ? So um, there are three or four of these books on the back. If this is something you'd be interested in doing, or if you ever had that opportunity, someone wants to know more, we have this resource that you can go through. Um, and if you want to hear someone else preach it um, in a little different way, I have video and audio that I can give you resources to. Um, I have the the notes, the the outlines that you can print out, and other things like that. Um, but that's that's the conclusion of that tonight. Um, Lord willing, we're going to embark on another study by the same author over the next, well, there's 12 of these lessons. Uh, I think both Katie and Esther are familiar with this. You did this with Macy, right? Um, and it's, yes, um, like this study, it might suit better to a certain personality or a certain teaching style. Um, but this one is designed to be visual. I mean, it's, you literally draw out a verse. Um, yes, it, it, it's actually, this book is loosely based off of this book, um, but in 12 lessons, and a lot of the same verses that we've looked at through this study we'll be looking at in here, but it's just another resource that, helps us to point, point people to Christ, whereas literally this um, study is called Drawing Men to Christ. Because, um, I mean, that's, that's why we're here. It's to show others, to point others, and that's what we've been discussing on Wednesday nights, uh, witnessing in prayer. And uh, these two studies are 
uh, two resources that we can use.